everyone, listen to me. We've all been deceived. We need to calmly head towards the exit. Welcome to the Banana Bread and Circus Republic with Chris B and Tono. Your hosts for the end of the world or whatever we're looking at. We're looking at the reset. Yeah, it's uh, we're gonna be fine, ladies and gentlemen. So strap in and join us to recalibrate the soul as we explore the ether and ethics of our evolution. In the space between spaces, there's an intelligence that guides our values and our judgments, which determines who we are, what we're doing, and where we're going. Follow your nose and think for yourself. Doing well. How are you? Good enough. Good enough. Can't really complain. Yeah. It's good to be back. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Nope. It is uh, good to be sitting here on the back deck listening to the chickens. We're in the. Listening to them squawk, or what is that phrase? Mm, Yeah, I think squawk. Squawk. Cluck. Cluck. Those little cluckers. That'd be a good name for a chicken chain. Mother Cluckers. <laughs> Come get your fried chicken and Mother Cluckers. Well, it's, it's probably already a failed attempt, in all honesty. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's not always about the name. It's crazy. No. no. I mean, you need consistency Yeah. in the restaurant industry. Even if it's shitty, it just needs to be consistently yeah. shitty. You know. Consistent and a lot of those places like to go as addictive as possible too. Yeah. So, how much more fat and sugar can we stuff into you? Exactly. Yeah, the stuff that is so highly processed that they have to add all those things just to make it taste good or on the spot. Like you know, you want another bite. It's it's fucked. I mean, and it, it's one of those things, too, where, you know, like, people grow to like it because they have never had, like, real, like, well-done food, especially meat. But, you know, like, the difference between, you know, like, getting some frozen Tyson bullshit even if you threw it in the fry later and did it as, you know, good as you're really able to, or, you know, air fryer or whatever, it's like, it's still not going to be as good as if, you know, you get some good local meat and did it yourself and, you know, do everything from scratch, put the time in and like, it tastes different. It feels different, but, you know, cooking's not one of those things that they take teaching most schools anymore i know they did away with home ec it's fucked it's fucked up i don't know why most kids respond well to it doesn't even matter what it is as long as it's hands-on if it's hands-on generally speaking not everyone can obviously like get into that but i think when you're that young 
you're willing to try. Yeah, most most people are tactile learners, you know. Totally. And you know, like if you can do something as you're learning it, and learn something as you're doing it, like. Yeah, it's, I was I was recently on uh, not recently. This was months ago, but on the Goddard in the World podcast, and I yeah, got yeah, into yeah. talking about like some of even my experiences being in like a school where they valued more of the hands-on stuff. And then when my family moved, we transitioned. And during that time, I like halfway was homeschooled in that transition. And that was from like uh, sixth grade. It was actually sixth grade. But then in seventh grade, or was it eighth grade? Shit. Now I can't remember. When I I went then into public school. Okay. Like I went into public school after that and, and on. Um, but before then, I was a it was a private private school with. Um, there was this experiment we did, uh, science experiment. Uh, Sue Barto, I know in the other podcast, I couldn't remember her name because I'm getting older. But uh, basically, senile. Yes. Like I said, I I am going in for auditory testing already. It's it's happening. It's coming. Might as well get an early prostate exam done. Might as well. But anyway, Sue Barto. <laughs> yeah. So my old science teacher, Sue Barto, she would always get us together and doing like hands-on experiments. And one of the experiments was, <laughs> speak of the devil, right? Tobacco. Tobacco. In the bottle of a two-liter two liter bottle, delabeled, so it's totally transparent and all that. <coughs> and cut out a little hole on the top of the lid and then put a cigarette in there and lit them and puffed them by like squeezing the bottle and like seeing physically with your eyes and smelling the smells and and actually that visual association was like whoa she exposed you to secondhand smoke she should probably be fucking behind (laughs) bars (laughs) that's what some of the freaking liberals would say yeah but uh no it was great because it like i that stuck with me so even when i picked up my first cigarette and i actually contemplated okay i'm gonna try and i I'd, i'd give it a whirl and it ended up that I got addicted for 15 years, you know, and recently stopped like four-ish years ago. Um, but five, Good for you, man. Five, I think, Good for you. At this point. I've Thank been, you. I've yeah, been. it wasn't easy. No, um, fuck no. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here holding one right now, you know. It's hard. Yeah, it's you delicious. can't just. <laughs> I, tried, I tried all kinds of stuff, but I realized that I actually got to a point where I actually didn't truly want to quit. I, I, I was trying to quit, air quotes, right. trying. If you don't want to, it's so fucking hard. Yeah, because it doesn't like come from that place of like actual like a creative thrust. Like I was going to change it up and try something totally unconventional, and it worked. Yeah. It actually worked. So, I mean, most things that are bad for you that you want to stop doing are easy to stop doing, you know? Like, but it's one of those that it's one of the hardest things to stop so just, especially if you're enjoying a, it sorry about well, that well, yeah disturb you know do not disturb i enjoy it hasn't been until the last like year of smoking really and i also blame you know my my career in uh construction but like the last year i've woken up you know some mornings kind of hacking rough until I get that first smoke in me and 
I mean, I've been, I'm going to be 40 and, you know, this summer and been smoking since I was 16. My mom was smoking all through my fucking gestation. Oh. So, it's like, I've basically been smoking since conception. Right. Like, pulled her aside many times growing up and was like, you know, from the ages of like eight to, you know, because that's about when they started playing the secondhand smoke is bad for blah, blah, blahs commercials. And so as like a youngish kid, I'm like, huh, my mom smokes. I should ask her. And, you know, asked her multiple times throughout my childhood and adolescence. Like, you quit smoking when you found out you were pregnant with me, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, oh yep. Then I start smoking myself when I'm 16, because turns out that's the only way you can get a decent break if you're working at McDonald's. And then on my 18th birthday, she's hammered at my party, and I'm, you know, not hammered, but hammered for her. And I kind of like in vino veritas her, like, hey, mom. You quit smoking when you found out you were pregnant with me, right? She just like wraps her arm around my shoulder. And, oh God, no! I up to three packs a day for a while. Like Jesus Christ, Mom! Yes. Yeah. Wow. Like, <clears throat> hopefully that was an exaggeration. I don't think it was. I mean, she's got a sense of humor, but she's not that quick or creative you know mm-hmm. so no i think you know and she's not a big drinker either so you know when when she does drink it doesn't take much to get her there and you know that's the best time to get truth out of somebody yeah totally <laughs> i know as soon as you said that she was drinking the truth serum in vino veritas yeah and that's kind of how i started too was like working at a place just because you can get a decent break. Yeah, yeah. you don't have to wait for four hours on the button. You know, if you got five minutes of downtime, you can mm-hmm. sneak out. And... Yeah, for me, it was a dishwashing job at Oxford, back home. I was going to say university. <laughs> no, not that Oxford. <laughs> not different Oxford. The, the Oxford Shire. <laughs> There's uh, a difference. The Hobbit one. The Hobbit one. Oh. Uh. Hobbit one, except it has fucking, it's like overrun with college students. So it's kind of like, no, not not nearly, no, I'm not comparing this place to Oxford and the actual Oxford, like the Ivy League Oxford. It's like, it's like Lord of the Rings, but instead of swords and magic, there's lacrosse sticks and MDMA. At Oxford? Mm. Colleges. Colleges, yeah. Oh, definitely. That's Back, not been, Oxfordshire. Wasn't a college, is what you're saying. The, the Oxford itself was the town, and the, oh, the college. Shit. Okay, co- okay. Yeah, okay. I should I should specify. Sorry. By now, I just had so much fun talking about <laughs> the hobbits and the fucking <laughs> Shire. Anyway, because um, it really kind of would be like that in any, England. Anyway, um, <laughs> the the uh, oh, uh, Miami of Ohio University. That was the college. Okay, out in Oxford. Yeah. Okay. Grew up there, 
worked at a dishwashing job was like my first like actual job like that I pursued and actually wanted to do a good job in because I was actually even thinking about this just the other day like just being part of that culture back of the house culture and just being part of the team and everyone's working their friggin' asses off and I remember there was this one guy I'm gonna mention his name if I can remember it properly it was Jeremy and Jeremy was like the guy well first of all his job was probably arguably the hardest in the entire kitchen he was expediting like every night he was expediting and he was doing a kick-ass job too and he would always host these parties and he was the first guy that introduced me to anthony bourdain and his work and okay yeah he's just a wicked awesome dude like and he was like i think by the time i met him he was like a senior in college so he was like yeah he had some he was a nice like seasoned worker and just guy to get along and he threw a good party too but uh yeah i just remember being part of that and just like smoking with the gang yeah and you know it's kind of uh it doesn't make you who you are but it definitely you know when you're a young kid you're a youngish kid working in hospitality like that you know, like, you're kind of introduced to, like, a little side of the nightlife, even though you don't have full access to it, you know? And Totally. So and you're, like, part of a, you're part of a family at that point, too. Well, kind of. I mean... It depends on the restaurant. And the, pe- and the people, for right, sure. totally. But generally speaking, every successful operation, back-of-the-house operation I've ever worked in, it was like we were connected. Like yeah. We were a team. We were... We were arguing. It wasn't. Like, oh, sure. It wasn't like perfect harmony all the time, but it worked to the degree that we had a lot of pride in what we were doing. And when you have a lot of pride in one room, yep. shit can get ugly. Pride, but 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 also you know like pride that comes from experience too, not just false pride. You know, it's and there is some false pride there, absolutely, but. You know, because there's, there's, there's always going to be shit talkers and smoke blowers and, you know, people that can't back up what they say, you know, and they, they usually yeah. don't stick around, you know, they usually weed themselves out, you know, but like, yeah, you know, pride through actual claimed ex- or, you know, claimed experience plus, you know, good teamwork you know, makes a great place to be a good kitchen, you know, like as much as it sucks working in the kitchens, it's, it, it's a fun experience, you know, when, when you do find a good crew that jives and they like where they are as much as they can. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's, uh, it's general. Yeah. Like it was, I remember it being about that, drive to actually work your way up and it was almost like earning a spot on the line was like an honor it was like you got to wear the jacket and go up there and that's where you start learning you know well yeah i mean i mean really i started learning even at just doing like the fucking peeling potatoes Mm. and dishwashing just like from afar seeing how this whole organism worked from start to finish right because most dishwashers are also 
prep guys. Here, get back close. You're good. You're good. But yeah, most dishwashers are also prep guys when they don't have dishes to do. So it's like you do, you know, learn your way around a knife when you're doing dishes most places. Some places, anyway. We were uh, we were talking last week, not to totally change topics, but we were talking last week, uh, listing our five favorite comedians. Mm. Yeah, and I actually I came unprepared, but I figured I'd just bah, wing it because yeah. I have I have a pretty strong like set of candidates that i considered but i didn't actually take the time to write them down which normally i would and i wrote some down but i also haven't put any of them in any order and i like put a couple honorable mentions but now i can't figure out who's who uh, (laughs) i'm fucking myself uh, (laughs) that's all good it'll be a living like thing it's not like this we're not carving it in stone oh sure sure you know like you know, taste change over time, and, you know, you never know who's going to make it big tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, who's going to have the next big, great joke, so. Totally. Or what mood I'm in to recall certain ones that actually meant, like, meant something. Wow. Like, stirred something up enough to not only keep going, but actually thrive and, like, do it while having fun, while having a good time, like. Listening to Bill Hicks in the car on the way to work hmm. back in the winter, like yep. this was years and years ago, where I would that would be like a ritual thing. And now he, my ritual is different. And he wasn't always having a good time, but you know, yeah, pe- he had some dark shit. People at his shows were usually having a good time, even if he might not be. Yeah, he always would just like talk about how, like I'm just sick of it, man. I'm just sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he had been doing it for so long. Well, he started, yeah, he started, started at, at a like young 15, age. 16 years old, I think. Right. He, he went, you know, he went to New York pretty much right off the bat where, you know, back in that day, most comedians were coming out of New York. You know, most of the big comedians were, you know, they had some L.A. time, but they weren't necessarily L.A. comics. Whereas nowadays, like, L.A. is the place where, you know, you you make a name for yourself in New York and then you go to L.A. But even that's, you know, the bottom of that's falling out, so. Yeah, especially now you can do it from pretty much wherever. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Pretty much. Yeah, a lot of I feel like it's definitely different. Like, comedy clubs, like, I haven't been. I really want to, but, like. I get a sense that it's definitely a different, depending on the culture of the history of that place or whatever, and just obviously the people, like the the crowds that it attracts, right, would change over time, but or by place, one or the other, or both. But um, I feel like that experience is becoming more rich because there's so little of it compared to however many years ago. The the internet's inundating people with it, but the the actual in person experience is, you know, still a totally different thing. Yeah. You know? And the thing with comedy clubs is like you know, it if it's one of those clubs where, you know, 
it's a it's a destination spot in the sense that that's all they do and they only do it for you know certain nights certain hours of the week then you know pretty much is they're gonna they're gonna have people that are coming there knowing who they're seeing they've done their research you know you're not getting people walking in off the street whereas in like new york or la like those clubs they have a mixture of that where you know like there's dedicated fans and then there's also you know people that want to go see a show and they have no idea who they're going to see but then there's also you know huge name comics that are going in there to do bits and then there's also you know guys that you know have you know no name people you know doing improv you know doing you know five minute walk on bit so like comedy club around here yeah they're it's like a music club they're they're only open for when the show's going on and then it's done, you know. It's not like a every night thing. If there's no show, there's no hours. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, I just oh. I think uh I got to thinking about something else and now I can't remember what it is. Dad. My bad. No, I <laughs> there's a lot of thoughts to be had out there, so it's uh Well, especially just the whole comedy spectrum in general there's just so many different types of it yep. Yep. back when even before the pandemic hit they were looking closer at like investing in like cartoon animation comedy oh yeah because everything was going so like, cartoonish isolating yeah from that like human to human connection almost. well they you know I know, like, the uh, the left-wing comedy uh, circuit kind of, they had one during the Trump days called either My Cartoon or Our Cartoon President. Not sure if you ever saw that. I want to say Stephen Colbert was one of the main producers. Nice. But uh, d- it was yeah, actually really well done. Nice. And to their credit, they... They made fun of the entire political spectrum and that, and how cartoonish the whole fucking charade is. It wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was. It was inspired by, you know, the fact that we had a reality TV star as a president, and how absurd that is. How easy it is to satire right. that, but mm-hmm. from there, it, like they they satired every big name in politics, at least for a few episodes i don't know that i watched the whole thing i forget it's a good way of putting it i think (laughs) it was it was it was kind of like this easy target for a while and now it's still is but oh now it's too easy it's like fucking you know to quote matthew mcconaughey from tropic thunder it's like pistol whipping a blind child you know right like it's too far way too far no it's too easy (laughs) like it's fucking like it's already satirizing yeah, it's, itself. It's almost you know? as distasteful as like making fun of a disabled person. Which is what this whole country's doing by fucking allowing like 
the only reason that he's still in office is because everybody's so scared of fucking Camel Toe Harris being the fucking president. You know, like nobody wants to enact the 23rd or the 25th Amendment or whichever one it is that, you know, says, oh, the president's, you know, not capable of doing his job. So we need to step down to the vice president. It's like nobody on either side wants that. So it's like. Mm-hmm. It's fucking we haven't we haven't been in, on stable footing politically in this country for so fucking long and like the destabilization of it is not a it, it's not an accident like anyway back to stand up <laughs> comedy it's not um, i mean it it it's just <clears throat> i guess that's my little roundabout circus way of saying that there's just so many versions of comedy, so many versions. Yeah, yeah. In other words, we can pretty much either make fun of everything, anything, or just Nothing. simply see the humor in everything. Yeah, exactly. Or just continue to complain about how fucked up it is. Because yeah. I think part of part of that trap is getting just sucked into it to the point where, oh my god, I just my life is. I'm not even tending to my life, my life, actual, like what I want to do, how I want to be, all those things that we have to stay in check with ourselves about, but you can't because everything is so emotionally charged all the time. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're following along to everything, then not only is it such a huge time sap for you, but it's also, it's, it, you know, going back to our last episode, it's, it's spiritual warfare, you know, it's meant to mm-hmm. collapse you from within, you know? Yeah. So, so, but yeah. that's where comedy comes in. Exactly. Hit that button. Everyone, listen to me. We've all been deceived. We need to calmly head towards the exit. Everybody panic. No, don't panic. Don't panic. <laughs> oh, yes. <coughs> That's so perfect. Something something like that. We're <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> we, we don't know where we're going. I mean, it's, and that's. We're headed to, right towards digging a fucking way to our own demise and not even realize that and it's, it's not, it's, it's us doing it, but it's under the control or monopoly propagandization of a select few. Yeah. Right. You know, like they understand how easy the majority of people are to get their fight, flight, or freeze, you know, reactions going. And, yeah, it's playing playing at those emotional strings, for sure. And also their naivete, yeah. like we talked about before, too, the ignorance and all that stuff. Right. Ignorance, so, disinformation. I'm going to... So that's a, me teeing it up for you to, you want to start with your, from five countdown or how do you want to do it? Uh, how do you want to do it? Cause I'll start with you. Well, I think. Unless you want me to go first. I think on, uh, on the dead list, there's going to be some crossover for us. Sure. So I, I got a living and a dead list. I'm not sure yeah. if you want to do it that way or. You I, I won't just cause. Sure, sure. I think I've got mine down to like the essence I mean, I know, all right, I'll, I'll kick off the, the dead list for me, and I know 
he's right up there on yours, Bill Hicks. You know, fucking genius. He actually had concern and, you know, wanted to see some some positive changes made, you know, through his material, but was also just incredibly funny and creative, you know? Yeah, he was one of a kind, for sure. And influenced so many. Like, I don't want to spoil yeah. anything oh, regarding yeah. my list, because they're definitely, <laughs> talk about overlap, I'm going to be sounding pretty repetitive at the, by the end of this. But um, I think he, he influenced a lot of the newer generation of comedy going in, because he, he, his whole thing ended in, like, the early to mid nineties. Yeah. So it was like his influences along the course of his way, which he, you know, spent over a decade mastering this one thing. So he truly, cause you know how they say you should change careers every 10 years. I think that he should. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, he, he obviously didn't change much and he like, kept going and going but i think that's where a lot of his darker stuff started to come from was like feeling like he was just in that loop not making the traction that he wanted to make because you know people weren't he was ahead of his time you know people weren't necessarily ahead of you know ready for his material and he turned comedy on its head through the act of preaching like he was like it to me he's like the perfect archetypal preacher comedy like comedian Uh. Uh, preacher comedian yeah no and you know him and sam kennison who was also on my my dead list but (laughs) sam kennison was actually a preacher you know and then he he quit the church and got into stand-up and you know that's you know like imagine him preaching on sunday mornings to you (laughs) like that like i never had a preacher like that or a priest or whatever so no at least a priest really. like that isn't going to rape you. He's not quiet enough, you know? Mm. <laughs> I had good, honest priests in my day. Being part of the church, I was an acolyte. And so I got to know the priest. Acolyte? What's what's that? Until? It's like an old altar boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, God. Me and my brother and my friends, too. Like We were all altar boys. Like, Got it. That brings up a joke to mind that uh, I'm not... <laughs> I guess. Oh God! Speaking of easy targets. All right, here it goes, folks. <laughs> We're uh, about to just, you know, gut the class right out of this episode. But uh, he brought it up, so I can't help myself. How do you get a nun pregnant? I don't know, Tono. How? Have an altar boy fart in her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> so bad yeah i never i never farted in any vaginas back in my day but made some fart yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> maybe <laughs> the choir while they were singing so no one could hear them but you get it though right mm-hmm. okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to make sure that i'm mindful of the time cuz i just took us down the Bill Hicks road, and we somehow ended up with well, some farting of the, altar boys. Yes, you know, like 
This is going to be a little lighter episode than the last one, probably, but that's fine. But, uh, yeah, no. And we're not going to spend time on every one of them the same way. I, I briefly mentioned Sam Kennison, and then we move right back on to farting and nuns. But, uh... <laughs> right, it was Kennison. We left off on Kennison. So he's he's number four? Well, no, no, but, uh... You know, I'm going with my dead list first, but it's mm. it, it's your turn to uh, to name share. It. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my gosh, there's so many to choose from, and I I took a whole different angle with this because I started to think of things like South Park, Rick and Morty, okay, like Adventure Time, okay. freaking H. John Benjamin yeah. is probably my five right there, just uh, based on that like categorical way of classifying like what i see as comedy okay i was was thinking stand up no no no. yeah that's the thing like we talked i think it was off air but it was about like so we should probably (laughs) specify for our audience no this is still a great no i'm just thinking like comedy to me is like we it was like top five comedians so it could be anybody who you find funny top five comedic geniuses professionals that you appreciate yeah sure, sure people who actually make a so living that can include that. music too or don't make a living i don't know so that can include music too if you yeah if you want to go there i would qualify okay that for sure so i'm gonna break my list down less claypool on a different <laughs> way no love yeah, I mean, less he, yeah i he's love awesome. less he's he's not necessarily the funniest but for me his sense of humor is fucking right on point so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a uh, another uh top five but i'm gonna do uh media so like you know cartoons actors or musicians yeah man if you want to do it that way go for it i encourage everyone to go for it with this fucking cat go crazy with this list i think it's because we do this sort of unconsciously like there are so many people who enjoy and like Trey Parker, Matt Stone, I mean, come on, like Hall of Fame. Yeah. Just like even if, hands down. Right. Even if every episode's not like a, a gut buster, it's still brilliant, you know, and it's still the thing that they have under their belt is the timeliness of it because, you know, they can do an episode so quick they don't let a, a topic or a subject expire, you know, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't age in the news stream before they get to it, which is amazing. Yeah. And the way that, like, even the movies they've made, like Orgasmo and Basketball oh, and Team America. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, Team America. I can't believe how much time it look, it That took them so long oh, yeah. to do that. Yeah, because they had to make multiple sets of so each So many. Yeah. yeah. It's like that kind of work put into it. It's like, and the... Writing behind it, of course, is fucking. I'm not going fantastic. to fuck your mouth, Gary. <laughs> oh gosh! See, I was looking for it the other day. I don't have it on DVD anymore. I don't know where it went. Uh, I think I don't. I, I never sold any. I'm pretty of that sure shit. I have it on DVD in my storage unit. If I nice. next time I go down there, I'll try hold to on, remember. Hold on to that shit. I was at the oh, comic yeah. book store today. Um. And I, I think there was a giant. He had just stocked a shit ton of DVDs for like a buck each. Down in the bar? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Harry and Lloyd's. Spot. 
Yeah. Shout out Harry and Woods. Yeah, I got to talk. I gotten to know the owner pretty good. He's okay, a really cool guy. I, I yeah. love that spot. Yeah, it's a good spot. Yeah. He's he's great, and we just always talk about like gardening and told him about the fact that I planted fourteen apple trees or you know fourteen fruit trees, like pears and apple and a few variety like wild cards. And yeah, this last frost probably fucking yeah. Yeah. Didn't help. We got but. snow yesterday. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Snow in May. Yeah. May 18th, is it? Happens. Is today. Yeah. So. Yesterday being. But it's probably snowed today. I'm going to assume. Like it, it was wicked cold early this morning. Yeah. Compared to what we've had the last few weeks. I know. Went from uh, sleeping with the windows open. Fucking. Right. I, I love that. You know, Me like. Too. You're under the covers, but your head's just getting blasted on with yeah. nice, cool, fresh air. And exactly. Like, yeah, so good. But the allergies kick in for for Jocelyn. But same with Tara. Yeah. 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 Yesterday, we had the windows open. You know, the night before last. So yesterday morning, we wake up and I'm like, "Damn, it's cold in here." <laughs> like, oh yeah, because fucking snowing outside right. unexpected that was the thing i always i would always talk to the my friends that like over at hockey like back in the day i like yeah i have the tendency to dress for yesterday you know like what you dress for yesterday yep you heard me like, yeah fuck yeah i mean i totally see that right because oftentimes weather patterns do last more than one day but around here sometimes they only last for two hours mm-hmm. so yeah it's like kind of have to have some uh some flexibility as far as your your outer layers yeah for sure i don't know how you can't help but just adapt like just do it yeah. you'll be fine so I was worried about the bees, but shit, dude, talk about adaptability. Yeah. Those guys, like, yeah. that's one thing I miss about the winter. I, I I like to just put my ear up to the to the hive just to listen to the, in the home. The, yeah, in the hive, like, while they're trying to get warm or whatever. And so this morning it was like, man, they're booming in there. <laughs> like, I'm so surprised. I think, the, honest to God, though, they haven't swarmed because of the climate being as wonky as it has. Yeah. I think that they're like, I don't know, they're just they're just biding their time at this point. And so it'll happen any day, and it'll happen when I least expect it. Yeah. Even though I've been prepared for it for over a week. So you kind of want to keep that cage on. Yeah, I need to keep that trap on. More or less for experimentation, because it's not just the the trap that's set up in the front of the hive it's also a queen excluder at the tippy top yeah. so they're they're not as upset now that they than they were when i had my other experiment on there they really hated me for that but anyway where were we so trey parker and matt stone would come in at i would put them at number four just equal because it's hard to choose i mean i would probably lean closer towards trey just because he Matt definitely offers that, like, balance. Like, yeah. Yeah. He offers, he brings a lot to their projects to the table, for sure, don't get me wrong, but I can definitely sense more of, like, a genuine, I guess, resonance with 
trays like what he brings to the table mm. and in the writing and the voices and the delivery. I mean, there's just, I don't know. How and to describe it. I mean, there's a lot of genius to unravel there too, because you know, like they're, they're great at writing songs for stuff. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're more than multifaceted and they're, they're fucking wild cards too. You know, like, time they went to the oscars on acid you know <laughs> they did the red carpet stroll and they're both fucking tripping their faces off i did not know they did that yeah <laughs> like this is a fucking this is a jambalaya circus bullshit like we don't care like can we uh pause just for a sec i need to that. yeah definitely I need to uh attend to myself Good time to hear from our sponsors. If you're in the central Vermont area and you're looking for a special souvenir to take home and share with your friends and neighbors, Humbiant Fermentary's got you covered. Humbiant Fermentary produces craft batches of hard cider from the heart. This wild fermented cider is a tribute to the depth and complexity of how intertwined we are with the flora and fauna of the ecosystem. In our attempt to be humble stewards of the biosphere, as Humbiant's, we offer this taste of microsymbiotic flavors to your gut biome. By forming an alliance with our microbiome, we simultaneously forge a partnership with nature in her wonderful beauty and simplicity, of which we are inseparable participants capable of co-creating a world worth living in. Nature is the way. Cheers. Brought to you by Humbia Fermentary, where apples and honey live in harmony together. That's the Viking way. Skull! All right. <laughs> so, uh, you just finished with South Park's Trey Stone and Matt Parker. And I, yep. as far as the, the you know, the media category of it, I, I got to put them up there, too. You know, they're undeniable geniuses. Yeah, they're awesome. So that brings me, uh, that means my turn, and we're going to try and blast through this, people, so that we don't drag this on forever. Um, so I'm going to start with my number one living comic, uh, and then I'm going to narrow them down from there. Doug Stanhope. Friggin' a, a beast of a man trapped inside a... Uh, geriatric uh liver failure body of a you know Arizonian but yeah um just to the date to this date the only comic I've seen live but also I own both of his books and he's just all of his materials gold <laughs> yeah, so, you, I, I'm not familiar oh. with his work, so I can't have much to add. There. Oh my god, but I've heard the name a lot, and I've heard him on Joe Rogan before for sure. He and Joe, so you remember the Man Show on Comedy Central back in late '90s, early thousands? It was started by Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel, and it was a show on Comedy Central where they just had that's right chicks in yep. bikinis bouncing on trampolines, and you know, like yeah. So, Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla gave the show up to go their separate ways, 
mm-hmm. or whatever. And okay. Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope took it over until it tanked. But it was, in my opinion, it was way better with the two of them. And, you know, they're still friends to this day. Nice. But uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think Dan Dunn was part of the uh, Adam Carolla show at one point or another in the recent past, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Good. Don't have much of a timeline on that, but that's awesome. No, I, I definitely want to check out some of his work, for sure. He's got all of his specials dating back to, like, early 90s are gold. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do was go further back because he's a legend. And yeah, that's one of those legends. Like, I can't get Start at the beginning yeah. and then totally. see how relevant it gets. And if it's still timely, then. That's how I like to do it yeah. for the most part. Because, again, talking about. Bill's influence. I bet you he influenced people like that. Doing, oh shit! Doing yeah. what they're doing. Well, I mean, like Bill, like he was like Bill, like, Bill and Doug were contemporaries at one point. Okay, but that's right. Okay, so now yeah. it's coming back to me from the Rogan yeah. uh, interview, which was, which was good. Like that, maybe even alone want to listen to him. But yeah, so your turn, sir. My radar. My turn. Okay, so this is fun though. Yeah, dude. No, I love this. I love stuff like this because I I, I don't really write this shit down. I have too much other shit to write down. And, you know, oftentimes our our topics are so fucking heady that it's nice when we have a a slightly inane little thing to do like this. Yeah. Yeah. For me, talking just like from my own development and influences, for me, it's hard to leave Jim Carrey out of it. Oh, shit. Fuck yeah. 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 I mean, the the character comedian archetype totally. you know just undeniable fucking juggernaut yeah to the I, point where he ran for himself at, at certain points you know yeah yeah he's in a different place now got he went he started to go a little more you know mancally and then it started to shift into like whistleblower attitude and then it shifted into like some introspective place of like zen and like peace and that's the last i've heard because i guess he just kind of fell off the reservation there for a little bit and i think he still is off which good for him man like that when you again changing talk about changing careers man like i think as people age like you have to recognize something within yourself and be honest about it right? oh, yeah you have to recognize the fact that you're not always going to be relevant in perpetual in perpetually into the future and a lot of the times comedians actors even musicians they even me like me wanting to like put stuff out there like wants some kind of a there's something like you want some kind of recognition otherwise you wouldn't be doing it like why share it with the world if you didn't actually value some kind of recognition there's i think that it it comes down to oftentimes for people one of two things and that's one of them and i venture to say the other one is you know if if you're trying to change something with inside yourself for the better but the thing that's holding you back is your career you know the thing that you've learned how to do, become accustomed doing, gotten good at doing, Mm -hmm. and then gotten comfortable at doing. And, you know, for whatever reason, that's the thing you have to change to make 
those final changes that you actually want, you know, then, yeah, like, for personal growth reasons, sometimes that is the case. Yep. Yep. Which, so for me, that's the relevance for me because I'm at that point where I'm starting to cross that cycle. But anyway, that's probably another topic for another time. How about you? What's your top top two? All right. Well, or you're going from a different um, bracket, I know. But who's next on your? Who do you want to mention next? All right. Well, I'm gonna just to streamline this a little further. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to living ones because they're the ones still trying to sell tickets. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. I'd have to say my next one would probably be. Shane Gillis. Good choice. Yeah. Uh, he's he's only got one special out there, but he's got a lot of material out there, both in stand-up and podcast. Put up with a lot of bullshit with SNL, which is a dying franchise, and now he's putting out just some fantastic stuff. So, yeah. Shout out Young Bull. Shout out Matt McCuskey. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, His Gillian Keeves series is fucking awesome. Oh, Gillian Keeves. Yeah. The the Matt and Shane Secret Podcast. Like, yeah, the way their two brains work and, yeah. you know, his and Keeves too. Like, yeah, the, the skits are fucking- It's good stuff. Out of control. Yeah, I love it. I think that his, his work and watching what he did for, like, there was a day, so I recently had COVID- and there was a day where I just took- Just one day of it, though. I took the day. <laughs> it was like, uh, yeah, no. I was starting to feel a little better, but not really, actually. No, that was like at the peak of the worst of it. Because I would wake up and just like, I'd be dizzy. I couldn't even walk to the fucking toilet to piss. And then I would feel nauseous and I'd want to fucking throw up, but I couldn't. Because <laughs> I didn't, yeah. Anyway, uh, so- Good times. Just that whole hell, living hell for a day or two. Then I watched Shane and Gillis, or fuck, Shane Gillis, Gillian Keeves. Did you watch the full special or did you you just watch the- I watched all of it that I had access to or could afford at the time. And so it just like, I just binged it and it like put me in this perfect like <laughs> space of like just fucking, I was cracking up. Dude. Like I was like so into it. I love it. Now, Uncle Tommy, like how many of these girls would you say are above age? Uh, uh, I, I know. Yes, Shane? They're all beautiful angels. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I love the delay, the reaction, and like the the wait for to confirm that wait. I I I know the answer to this. Yes, I do. This is the right answer. I'm still wondering if you should say it. Uh, they're, they're they're all beautiful angels. Yeah. Anyway, that uh, yeah, Shane Gillis, fantastic your, choice. Your turn. Let's see, top two. That's where I'm at with mine. We can do ties oh, too. Boy. We can do ties for, for yeah. You know, it is. It's not a easy I think subject. I'm gonna th yeah, I think I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw H. John Benjamin out there. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And it's just like it's part of that era of like the like Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The guy's been, he's been on every funny cartoon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the just, last 20 years, his voice, though, just it's it's got that <laughs> perfect like pace to it. But and the, right. And that's that's the beauty of it is he's always yeah. playing himself as a voice actor, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I, I can't. It's hard to describe. And I'm kind of a weirdo for putting him at top two. Eh, no, no, it's I mean, ju- it just the, like you said, the cadence and. The tone of his voice is it's comedic music in its own, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Archer, he's on fucking... First time I saw him was on... Uh, oh, shit. Home Movies, which was... Uh, yep, me too. Yeah. That was my first introduction to Yeah, him. he played the coach. The coach. <laughs> <laughs> and he also played uh Jason. Yep. The the little geeky nerdy yeah. Not the l- little one, the the fat nerdy one. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, every basically from then on he's been in just about every major produced cartoon. Like mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in Rick and Morty. It's funny he wasn't in Metalocalypse because that was written and voiced by the same dude that does home movies. Hmm. But like Aqua Teen, Family Guy, uh Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So much shit. And oh, then shit. even and, SpongeBob. Like yeah. that shit is fucking solid. I like that shit. Yeah. No, he's that that guy's on. Yeah, my turn. All right. Yeah, uh, mind, mind if I pause? Nope, nope. Real uh, quick. So I gotta put a disclaimer down that uh, that was my top three. Technically, well, top, you it was my five through three. You, five, four, three is what I'm thinking. Right, but we and and we did Bill Hicks together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we can. There's gonna, you know, like I said, I've got a couple honorable mentions. Fuck it, if you, if you got to do a fucking tie, we're not doing a tie draw. So you know, just like I might, I think I do have a couple ties. You know, sadly, <laughs> but yeah, I'm also not going in. I'm not going in full whatever either. I'm just I'm a weird OCD person about continuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we. We're also doing this off the hip too. So. Yeah, yeah. It's we're having fun with it. And I think that's the important part. Oh, I'm having a blast. Okay. I just want to make sure I because I don't have a pen and paper. Right? Oh shit! I stole your pen. No, you're good. You're good. Here, stay. I know this. Stay paused for a sec. Let me run to the car. All right. Sorry about that, folks. Um, having a brain fart as to what number I left off at. So, I'm gonna call it for me. Just a recap. For me alone, because I honest yep, to God yep. can't remember, and I can't listen to the playback until later. So, freaking Matt Stone, Trey, Trey Parker, Parker, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, with. right? Is yep. what I remember because yep. we paid tribute to Bill Hicks, and then you did Jim Carrey. We, you and I, Jim both Carrey. did Bill Hicks together because he was going to be definitely one of our definite crossovers. Yep, and he's like my all time, just 
Yeah. Spoiler alert. That's just, I don't think anyone will ever top Bill Hicks because of his effect on me at the time. And still, even, like, I'll go back and listen to his shit, and it's it's going to be time. It's just timeless. Well, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, comedy is one of those, it's the sugar that helps make the medicine go down in the sense that it's like that scene in Robin Hood Men in Tights where, you know, the sheriff comes in and the prince or whatever, he's sitting there and in his sauna and or hot tub and the sheriff is like, oh, I, you're sorry, I have some terrible news. It's like, terrible news? I don't want terrible news. I've had a great day. Like, <laughs> why, why would I want terrible news? He's like, oh, oh, well, what if I, what if I give you the terrible news, but in a fantastically happy manner? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, that, that sounds like it might work. And, you know, so he starts, like, hysterically, like, laughing, telling him about how Robin of Loxley's coming back to, you know, take what's his and wants to see his head on. Yeah, helps the medicine go down, you know. If if mm-hmm. if you want to hear, you know, sad truths, the best way to do it is through humor, you know. Yeah, that does help the medicine go down, for sure. And Bill Hicks was great at that. Wasn't one of those comics that just talked about, have you ever noticed how the peanuts on airplanes are getting smaller? You know, like... Yeah, definitely. Everything but hack, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was Matt Stone, Trey Parker, Jim Carrey, Mm -hmm. Bill Hicks. Well, Bill Hicks is just like... Right. I'm taking him like almost off the table in a way just because he's all-time favorite. Yeah. So who's who's your next one? Um, that uh, it was H. John Benjamin. H. John I had Benjamin. it number three. Yeah, so it was up. You were up. I just wanted to like take a moment to pause just to recap, just to make sure I was like recalibrated. So, what are yours so far? Okay, so far I've done Bill Hicks. I did a quick mention of Sam Kinison because you know they're both kind of in that same ilk. Yep. And, you know, not to throw any shade on Sam Kennison by overshadowing him with Bill Hicks, but, yeah, they're in the same ilk, so. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. For my next living ones, I'm going to do, uh, it's a tie. My next two are ties. But my... My next one's a tie between Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr. Mm. That is a great choice. I'm so glad you put them on the board. I I couldn't not. Yeah, those are just classic. They're they're probably like pound for pound the greatest doing it right now, you know. But, yeah, can't not mention those two and don't even need to get into them because you know people have the fucking internet so totally no yeah. i i love just having them like if right there yeah and if you don't like them then you probably won't like us so you're probably already not listening to this so yeah 
we're not pandering and we're not losing people because of you. It's cool. But, if you can't take a joke, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's all right. Yeah, if you can't take a joke, then, you know, your, your parents didn't love you and it's okay. It's not your fault, you know. But stop taking it out on the world. I agree. <laughs> Just a brief <laughs> disclaimer there. <laughs> Timestamp that. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that is the essence of comedy, right? Is like the ability to just not take it so friggin' seriously I mean, all the time. Right. Some of it you can take seriously. Some of it you shouldn't take seriously. Right. And like, if you can't tell the difference, then you shouldn't fucking, you should either listen to more comedy or none at all. Listen to more almost always, by the way. And yeah. And dude, I even had like even people at work, like the people you're surrounded by, you'll kind of long enough you'll notice some discrepancies and some like interesting like just odd patterns almost self-inflicting of stress so it's like you get to like sense that wow like i think i kind of need that because sometimes i need that reminder that i do have you we all have the choice but we just fail to recognize it like almost always that, when you're when you're caught up in that drama right when you're caught up in the yeah, you have the choice to to you know escape to the laughter if you need it yeah is that what you mean yeah yeah like you have a choice to not necessarily take it so damn don't take it to heart all seriously the time. don't yeah. take yourself so seriously don't take your surroundings so seriously yeah don't take any of this so fucking seriously sometimes you know because at the end of the day like george carlin said who's I'll just use that to jump into my next totally. George Carlin on my dead list, obviously. No zombie Carlins, but yeah, like he said, you know, at the end of the day, life's a zero-sum game, you know? Everybody loses. So, mm -hmm. like, if if you spend your entire life just fucking taking everything as seriously or more than needed, yeah, like... You've lived an exhausting existence, and a lot of it was lost on you. Yeah. Because what are we here for but to just simply, like, live, laugh, and enjoy while it lasts? Yeah. I mean, there's people with nothing that can still figure out, still a, way figure out a way to do that. To make themselves chuckle, you yeah. know? Totally. That, that's, that's what, you know, pranks and practical jokes are, you know, is is ways to make shitty times better for multiple people. And that's probably where stand-up started, you know, where comedy started. Mm. It was like, yeah, he's going to be pissed for a second, but when he sees everybody else laughing and realizes that, oh, shit, yeah, like, you're the butt of it now, but, you know, it's for everybody's benefit. And, you know, it it, it also opens the door for them to you know, rebut, you know, like it, it becomes a game, you know, and totally. And that's where, you know, like, you know, comedy then became a word game. And then from there, you know, you have comedians roasting other comedians, you know, and, mm. and that's, that's where there's fucking, or where there should be no limits, you know, like, yeah, because you should be able to make 
make fun of yourself at all else. Not only yourself, but also, you know, like your peers. And, you know, if, if that's what you do for a living is make fun of things and that's what all your peers do, then yeah, like a roast becomes a bloodbath and, you know, like usually everybody there has a great time. You know, uh, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> delivery gets too good and, you know, like, and you breach that little, it's right. almost like a psychological warfare of UFC in a way, because you have that respect layer. And it's hard to like even call it warfare because the very essence of what we're talking about is just utter acceptance and bliss and peace around it. But it's not, I mean, sometimes that shit can hurt someone's feelings. Right. And if your delivery is you, so good that they don't know you're joking. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they get to, and then they, and then again, it's like whipping that fucking whip on the fucking helpless child or whatever that quote was <laughs> pistol so, whipping a blind kid right right so it's yeah basically like easy shots there's there's a certain taste to it right and you know there's there are rules in comedy and one of them is one of them you know supposedly is don't punch down but really what it is is if you're going to punch down make sure that you have a point to it. If if you're punching down just for the sake of an easy target, eventually no one's going to laugh at it. Yeah, and it you just know? becomes a cheap shot. And it's right, like, if you're punching down... It deflates the air in the room. Totally, yeah. No, like, you know, it gets to where it becomes uncomfortable for anybody to laugh because, you know, they, they start to realize what cheap shots you're taking. Mm -hmm. If you're going to punch down, use it as a tool to show how everybody is doing it even when they're not conscious of it you know like yes exactly yeah. i think rogan is really good at that with his Rogan's with really his uh I hecklers mean, in Rogan's, a way rogan's you know everybody talks about how you know he's the number one podcaster in the world but you know here's a here's an honorable mention you know on my living list Joe Rogan's stand up is fucking Yeah. It's you know Talk about top ma notch. mastery. Top I mean notch. it's like pure mastery. Yeah. Honestly. Like, he spent so long in the ringer going through hell where like you develop he has probably like and you can see it on his physique. It's like thick skin. Like oh, yeah. he has this like layer over him that like dude is like evolving. Well, it's it's also Into because like he's a, a friggin' machine. You know that shit. You were talking about how you know, like every ten years, people should you know change their career, and he's one of those guys where he's able to cycle through shit that he, you know, a knows a lot about, but b, you know make some money, so technically they are his careers, you know, those being martial arts, stand-up, and podcasting. You know, podcasting, let's break that down into a long-form dialogue, yeah. you know? Like, he's he's good at having a conversation, hearing people out, you know? He's a good interviewer. He's one of the most open-minded. He's curious as shit. 
he's one of the most open-minded right uh hosts on anything i've ever heard of or seen or anything he's one of those than i've ever yeah he's one of those guys where he's going he's doing three different careers a day or sometimes a day you know but like in a given month or at least in a given year he's doing three different careers mm. you know he's he's got his podcast you know multiple times a day he's still writing specials as a comedian mm-hmm and he's not only relevant but hilarious, and he's a fight commentator, and he's constantly training. It's too. like he's it's like he's a leader of our time. He's somebody. <laughs> what does that make you laugh? Uh, I was listening to an old episode of uh, King and the Sting with uh, Theo Bra- Theo Vaughn and uh, Brendan Schaub, and uh, they had Eric Griffin and Stevie Weeby on. And I forget which of the four of them said it, but they were talking about Rogan. One of them called him the white male Oprah. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I could see that. He, if you're, you're going to put it in a box. Only because, I mean, they were thinking of him just strictly from podcasting terms. You know? Sure. I mean, that's where his name is worldwide. I mean, it's, it's what he's most well known for, but, yeah. you know, like. And he's. And he's phenomenal. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's the archetype for it. You know, he's the. Yeah. I've been watching his earlier shit and that's like a lot of those comedians you just listed, like I've been missing out on because it's like, I didn't get into the podcasting world. I was still playing CDs on my CD player in my rig going to work and shit. Like having first moved to Vermont. I mean, back when he started you know, doing his shit, everybody, you know, there was very few people actually listening to podcasts and so few people actually doing them. And most of the people doing them didn't already have a following of any Mm -hmm. sort, you know, maybe they were an author or a journalist Mm -hmm. or something of that nature. But aside from that, their name wasn't necessarily out there. So like, the the people still to this day like comedy podcasts are huge because for one just about every comedian out there has a podcast now and they all do decent at least but they're also yeah. you know it's a great way for them to try out new material to riff they they have open air space they have yeah Add another dimension to their, right. con- not even, a, you can't even call it a routine at that point. Cause really it's mm-hmm. a state of mind, right? And it certainly wasn't a routine at the beginning because it was all new, you know, you know, it was, it was basically, you know, everybody had the opportunity to now be a, a radio host and, you know, who better to dabble in that than people that speak for a living already. You know, so for sure, and have a and it helps to have like another means of building your audience, right? Than just digital, right? And the you know, yeah, the ones that got into it early that already had a decent following because of their previous career, yeah, as an orator of some sort, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't want to blow, like, like, uh, 
you know, your, your list out of proportion by any means, but, or even speak for it, um, at the very least, but like people like Theo Vaughn come to mind where, yeah, I knew he was going to be on your list, right? He's on there. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Shout out the rat king. Perfect example though. Right. Like someone who's like been at it and like went for it in the physical form on top of adapting to the new digital formats. And considering that he even, you know, there's, there's some comedians that are still getting into it, you know, or still figuring it out as far as, you know, like they're the, you know, the type of show they want to have or who their audience is or whatever. But, you know, there's established comedians that are, you know, they've been podcasting and still, you know, they're revamping, they're remodeling, they're, you know, changing their, you know, material, their or their podcasting subject material, whatever, their format. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that, you know, got into it and it was just natural for them, you know. So it's, even for them, it's it's not, it's not like it's an easy ride necessarily. Yeah. Like there's, no, definitely there's some easy. killer comedians out there who've had, you know, multiple podcasts before they finally figure out, you know, their formula. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Theo, yeah, definitely on the list. Would um, he be, would he, I don't know. I mean, I guess top two, top three doesn't really. Well, I'm not doing my, yeah, I'm not doing my living in any necessary order except for the first, yeah. which is Doug Stanhope. The, the rest of them, but, uh, the rest of them are kind of, uh, I like that mishmash. you threw, I like that you threw Ch- uh, Chappelle and, uh, Burr up there. And yeah, like, sh- as far as I know, Chappelle doesn't have a podcast. Bill Burr does. And I'm not a big fan of it because, you know, like a lot of what he talks about is like, you know, it's, it's stuff that's near and dear to him, but like. He and I don't have necessarily the same interests, but we have a lot of the same outlooks, you know? So, like, when he's just talking about his interests and what's going on in his world, it's not necessarily as relatable as his stand-up. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, uh, my next my next one would also be a tie between two comedian podcasters, and it's uh, Theo Vaughn and Tim Dillon. And, uh, like, Theo Vaughn, like, he's on, like, you know, at least three podcasts throughout his, you know, career so far. He's got his own this past weekend. Then he was also on King and the Sting, and he was a guest host for Fighter and the Kid, which is how King and the Sting started, but... Yeah, like he's he's equally as talented like stand up and podcasting. Like he's just kind of one of those guys that's always on, you know. Hmm. And uh whereas Tim Dillon, not to say that he's not always on, but like the stand up of his that I've seen is a little more formulaic like 
you know, his his ad lib, his improv shit that, you know, his stream of consciousness that he does on the podcast is like, in my opinion, where he absolutely shines, you know. His his stand up's yeah, good, definitely. But, but, yeah, that dude can riff. Oh sure. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And like totally. Like writing shit down almost does him a disservice. But, yeah, it doesn't it wouldn't really play to his strengths, would it? But he's also, you know, made millions of dollars in the last two years, so who am I to tell him how to do his job? I bet he would agree with you. Well, I mean, I mean it complimentary. Yeah. You know, definitely. complimentarily. You know. Yeah, same here. He's he's so quick on his feet that, like, he's, his, his written material is really good. It's just, yeah, like, I've, his stream of, his power of stream of consciousness is one of the things that got me through, like, the whole COVID lockdown bullshit, you know? Like, that's, I first discovered him, like, the first week of lockdown. I think he'd just been on Rogan. And I'm like, oh, this guy's funny. I'll look him up. Oh, he's got a podcast. And from there, I was listening to, like, three or four episodes a day. Right on. So that's... Because yeah, that's, that's kind of, that is for sure what you want. Is, like, goes back to the Gillian Keefe's thing with me, even during when I had COVID. Like, getting you through that hump yeah you just push through by through but like through a process of letting go in the ultimate sense of actually like true laughter like yeah. talk about a somatic like um process for healing and inducing some kind of like actual psychological healing right you get your mind off what the body needs to do and you let the body do it you know and yep for sure yeah and allow process to happen don't suppress or oppress oh jesus process yeah. like best example of that you know like you get food poisoning or alcohol poisoning or you know you ingest something you're not supposed to ingest or you catch a you you, you get a stomach bug it's like and your body wants you to puke Fucking puke. Get that shit out of you. Like, even if you don't For like, sure. even if you don't like puking, even if you think it's the worst thing in the world, do it and get it done. Get it over with. Like, it. Worst case scenario, it lasts. You know, like twenty minutes until you exhaust yourself, dry heaving. But it almost like, feels better than taking a huge shit. When I mean, yeah, it's once it's, you've like excreted that part of you out of that. In oh, that yeah. way, like vigorous fucking like thrust of it. Dude, I'm going camping, man. Like I woke up in the middle of the night nauseous as shit, dude. I don't know what the fuck came over me one time. And I think that actually happened twice actually in my life. I don't know if it, but whatever. It's fucking scary because I woke up in like the craziest like chills and basically had to get out of the tent and fucking I didn't bother. At least this one time, I didn't bother to wake wake Jocelyn and like let her know, hey, like I don't feel well. 
Yeah, better better to not if you can get away with it. Yeah, just like only one mission. Like yeah. get to a fucking like place where I can like get to my quiet place. Get to my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just like up go but like in these cold sweat chills, man. Like yeah. I could barely make it to the fucking bathroom. Yeah. You know. And and your your mouth is probably doing that thing where you're just like creating saliva. Which, yeah, I mean, do you get that? Yeah, oh yeah. When you when you get the pukies, the glands just are on fire, and you're ready to fucking just go for it. And what that is is your saliva is like the beginning of your digestive tract, basically. So, like, one of the reasons why you're supposed to chew your food as much as you should is to let your saliva coat it all before you swallow it which then makes it easier for your stomach to break down. The bile, yeah. Right, so basically, like, your saliva is a mild, mild, mild form of bile in that sense. Yeah. It, it, it you know, prepares it right. for easier primes digestion. It. Right, primes it. And, and so, like, when you get those pukies going on and your mouth starts creating all that extra saliva and you start swallowing it thinking that, oh, Maybe I can just keep the puke down with all this extra saliva. Yeah, no. And yeah, well, what it's doing <laughs> is don't do that. Well, I mean, it's it's natural like, to swallow it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've swallowed it. Maybe I have. But sorry. I mean, if, if I'm over the toilet already, I'll spit it out. But you know, like yeah. on my way to the toilet, I'm like, and yeah, a lot of that is you know like getting more. Your, because your body thinks that it's got something in it that it needs to get out, and the stomach acid already isn't doing enough of its job, so it's asking for help from your saliva glands. So, it's a good way of putting it. I think, I think that's what's happening. But yeah, god damn it, that's uh, how did we get on that wild ride? How did we end up there? <laughs> You know, I talked about like my experience, my terrible, horrific experience, fucking puking and yeah, waking up on in the, the mushrooms. Yeah, but as far oh, as yeah. like a medicine, and not on the mushrooms. Well, it's a medicine for it's a metaphor for the comedy of don't suppress the fucking process of what the comedy can do for you. Like, uh, let it happen. Yeah, just let it let take it its course. It's it's just a joke. And what if this whole world was a joke? And I think that's probably where, it, like, they're not necessarily, it's not that they can't take a joke. They're angry that they almost, like, have to be like that, in a way. Like, angry that they can't necessarily accept just things to simply take over and allow ourselves to, like, not have to play God all the time. Well, not play God. Certainly, like you need to let go and let the universe have its process, but ideally, we would all be doing that, you know, like ideally, we could all live you know in you know a certain synchronicity and certain reliance that as long as we do what we need to do and be good people, you know we don't need people telling other people how to live that's up for the universe to do you know that's that's up to 
the multiple cycles of nature to do. But we don't live in that world. Yeah, no. And in a way, it's like, it's kind of perfect in that there are those flaws. Like there were true perfection, true balance, true, like, equilibrium. That's typically, um, as it's been put in the past by others, uh, nature's signal to bring on change for the next stage of development, evolution, whatever you want to call it. Because you ha- it has to be striving. And that's kind of why, that's kind of why it's like a dance. It's a wobble. Because it's doing this, it's like shifting. Right, it's a instead of it being, it's not going to be perfect in perfect true balance unless, you know, maybe the opposite of that is, There's, is like when we go to sleep, you know, even without this body. I think the only way for that to happen would be absolutely without humans, because we're the the one animal that tries to interfere with that balance, tries to, you know, balance Mm -hmm. that imbalance. Mm -hmm. And, you know. But in the process, we overshoot because that's what nature's doing. Right, because all the other animals don't try and do it. It just happens because they do what they do. Yeah. You know, kind of Taoism style. And the pendulum of these social dynamics, these political dynamics, because it's all play on polarity always, if you're not. Oh, yeah. And that's the tribal side of us. Right. I mean, if if we had 3,000 parties to vote from, you know, like, yeah, like, it would take a lot more reading and education for people to, you know, Mm -hmm. know what the fuck they were talking about. But, like, we'd also have a a little bit less uh, adversarial, you know, judgments of each other yeah so many comedians are have conquered that that place but at the same time there's all this chaos inside of them still and i think of you know like even i was gonna put and you know maynard james keenan on my list because he in a way is like kind of like he's definitely a satirist yeah in my opinion he is like an archetypal comedian in my eyes because he has this way of turning this what he's created for his his legacy himself his career um everything he's going for it's like he's he thrives in that theatrical and he's also got his own balance to him too you know it's so like, awesome like he, he can he can jive in that that you know comedic world and also in the tragic world the dramatic world Mm -hmm. but also you know like great speaker and also you know can sing like he's got the voice of an angel and a devil at the same time you know i know it's so cool how he can shift in between those characters because to him like those it's like each song is a character yeah. It's like so cool how he does that. And I just fucking admire the shit out of that. Cause to me, that's like talk about letting process happen and just always just be a vessel of, of this flow that's happening naturally, but be so, but 
it's natural in the sense that he can kind of tap into it and yeah. like be attuned to the not taking yourself seriously type of gene or whatever that is. Yeah. It's, it's so friggin' cool. Humility. But, <laughs> yeah. Humility. But also like, also some like pride too. Like, well, yeah. He takes a lot of pride in what he does. Well, he, yeah. He, he knows he's doing a good job, but also he knows he can't let that go to his head. Yeah. Cause I think know? he's, he's always sort of thrived in doing what he likes to do. And somehow it, it, definitely captivated an audience early on and but of course to him it wasn't early on like he had already been through so many things prior to that leading up to everything that just like fucking cataclysm of a shift and again talk about shifting careers i mean he's he's shifted careers and oh, he's yeah. dabbled in all sorts well, of he's, arts. he's one of those you know he's just like rogan you know that's why they're friends yeah. is because they're they're kindred spirits in that sense, you know. They, totally. They both got fucking eight different balls up in the air. You know? Yeah. Maynard's got three bands. Uh, He's got his winery. Both. Actually, a third one, I believe, that he's partnered with. But yeah. anyway. Where's that one? I think they're all based out of Arizona. Oh, yeah. But it's all Caduceus. Well, one's Caduceus is his, one of his labels, and then... He was a primary like uh, startup investor into Merkin Vineyards. I think if not the oh, sole okay. proprietor. That's right. That's right. So he Merkin. has two. He started with the two labels because <coughs> it differentiated the regions. I believe once again Merkin of not taking himself too seriously. He's always had that right, like Merkin thing. Yeah, but for anybody that doesn't know what a Merkin is, we can give you five seconds to look it up, and then we'll tell the rest of the lazy audience. You want to tell them or should I? You can take it away. I find the it's a uh, the Wikipedia definition is one of the best. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a hairpiece. Whether you want to think of it as a wig or a toupee, it's a hairpiece for your groin area. I don't know what Wikipedia says. Primarily used as like I think back in like the eighties or seventies, right? No, eighteen mostly hundreds, seventeen hundreds. Oh wow! Yeah, way, I was way off. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's <laughs> a little older than that. No, yeah. but like I just like the pop. It was popularized. I should, I should have. Yeah, seventeen hundreds. About the same time they okay. were doing the powdered wigs. Gotcha. Which yeah. were powdered with lead dust, oftentimes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but anyway, he yeah he's got tons of irons in the fire, and I just see him as like just again part of that different spectrometer of comedy. Like it's a different layer that I, yeah, it's been majorly in, influential and helpful for me personally. Uh, and uh, you know, multimedia style, yeah, as well. Definitely. Yeah, because even he, though I love the way he actually talks about Pussifer being like a a cabernet, a uh, cabaret, cabaret, yeah, theater. Uh, he, that's how he like describes it, and of course, going to Goddard for all those years, and like, doing the weekly cabaret. Yeah, like that was something we all got together and we did, and mm. came up we as a group and came up with an idea for an act and a skit and. Somehow I landed a part in it every once in a while. Otherwise, I was part of the creative process. But it was like that was a big part of my experience there. 
as being part of like a theater troupe. Not like a theater troupe, not like a dedicated one, but you know, like a yeah. tradition, just a tradition. Yeah. yeah, like a grassroots one. Yeah, not a theater troupe, but part of a group that was into that. Yeah, grassroots group of, uh, you know, people that liked, you know, you know, first, uh, first person entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you gotta be there to witness it to really get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, dancing around the fire, kind of. Totally. Know. Yeah. Which is a ritual that we've lost touch with, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, well, there's festivals, that right? I was to. gonna say Burning Man. Well, well I haven't been there, but uh, no, Burning Man's the new Bohemian Grove. I have no interest in it. You know, 15, 20 years ago, <laughs> when I first heard about it, I'm like, well, that sounds awesome. It's like now it's like, yep, no, I, I've read too much, I've seen too much, I know yeah. too much, and yeah, no in, interest. In the book, I mention. Um, one of the opening parts of chapter later on is my experience being at um, my first festival local to where I grew up. And so it was like a towny thing. And uh, yeah, it was freaking amazing. Like it changed my whole perspective on, it was finally what broke me out of like the cycle of like perpetual shame and, perpetual like like oh wow none of that exists worth, here. worthlessness <laughs> and just all that stuff yeah. and just broke through and yeah and that's that's you know that's a huge breakthrough to have yeah as a as a young boy like young young adult i was like 19 at the time or whatever and yeah i remember that right oh yes precious memories oh, yeah yes. stuff that will only be relevant to its place and time even today. Like, I, lo I love going to shows in that respect. Yeah, it kind of kind of brings a little bit of that energy back, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a live music, live entertainment of any sort. You know, where it's... You know, there's no screen. It's just the mm -hmm. audience and the performer. It's... Totally. You know, there's an energy there that, you know, if you're not there to feel it, you know, there's no way to translate it through a screen of any sort. Mm. Yeah, dude. Well, I think that's the perfect tee-off to, if you wanted to mention... One more. Mine number one all time is Bill. So that's pretty much it for me. My top five for today. I mean, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna blast them off. You know. Of course, George Carlin and Richard Pryor. <laughs> um but also uh in a tie, Norm MacDonald and Mitch Hedberg. Mm. You know, and like Norm is the most recent out of all of those to pass, and Mitch is the youngest, I think, out of all of them to pass. And 
that's not why they're tied. Like, tied for different reasons, like Norm's delivery and just is so dry and, uh, yeah, like, ability to turn anything into a joke, you know, like, (laughs) and Mitch Hedberg was, you know, could have been Rodney Dangerfield's long lost son, like, the way that, the way that he just, like, you know, dribbled one-liners between his legs, you know, like, one-liner jokes are probably the hardest ones to do and, you know, maintain any sort of, you know, relevancy. And, or you you just have to abandon, like, any hope of being, you know, timely in them and just, you know, they have to be timeless. Like, Rodney Dangerfield knew that, and, Mm. like, all of Mitch Hedberg's jokes, you know, stand up, like, the test of time. And they're all one-liners, you know, like, and it's two favorite ones of mine. Uh, I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to, too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And... uh, uh, (laughs) And the the more tasteful one is, every book is a children's book if the kid can read. <laughs> like, you know, just like no nonsense, no yeah, fat, just nothing. You couldn't trim off one word and still make it work, yeah. you know, like just, you know, brilliant. Yeah. But, yeah. I've been getting to know that kind of reminds me of like just that direct, but obviously very like explosive about it. Um, an explosive directness is Joey Coco Diaz. Oh yeah. You know, just yeah. like that fucking get He's, right to he, the fucking like, listen to your cock, the guts of it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just, he's awesome. He's just going right for it. He's fucking. Yeah. Funny. I love, I love listening to Joey. Yeah. He's a monster. Yeah. He's just fucking. Yeah. And he's he's not even trying to make you laugh. He's just telling stories. You know? Yeah. Well, the guy did time. He has like a he pretty, did everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> crazy yeah. time. Yeah. And he's he's also so lovable at the same time too. You know, like it's like yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a big Cuban knife wielding oh Santa God. Claus. No, but dude, go looking back on some of the Rogan archives in the earlier, earlier days in those episodes, it's hilarious. The first couple episodes that Joey was on, he was like ready to fucking punch Joe, like for like going so long. Cause he was so hungry to go get food. Listen to you. Cocksucker. Was, I gotta go get a sandwich. <laughs> he was like about to pass out the poor guy. Like he was <laughs> like, damn it, dude. Like, because they touched on, uh, like, going to go get food like earlier on in the episode so the guy had to like sit through another hour or so of talking before going to go get food and it was just such a moment it makes you wonder if joe did that just to get a rise out of him well joe of course just has a tendency to go on yeah that dude's a machine right but you know how how much easier would that joke that practical joke be you know exactly 
I know this guy's going to be hungry in fucking 20 <laughs> minutes. I'm going to start talking about food, and then we're going to go for another hour. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> I don't know. He's not malicious. No, but, yeah. I mean, you know, once again, no, know. you know, I, like, playing jokes between people that like to laugh. Right. It's not malicious. Again, going back to the, almost the roasting thing. Yeah, but it's not malicious. Because it, talk about, like, dude, Rogan does a pretty good impression of, of Joey. Oh, yeah. it's it's hilarious to listen to oh, too because yeah. it's so accurate in terms of the again that state of mind that like personality that that grit and it's definitely a secondhand joey for sure but so it's not nearly as good as the real thing but it's good it's good stuff okay. did you have a uh a top no. one closer or anything like that no for your no. guys I, uh oh honorable mention on the living Mm. Mr. Andrew Schultz. Mm. Yeah. Mm. He's uh he's got a podcast as well. I'm hit or miss with it. It's not bad, you know. Um but his stand up is monster he's a monster as far as his stand up. Like and and he's also like kind of a trailblazer in the sense of you know, like a lot of guys want to do a Netflix special and mm -hmm. you know or they get offered a Netflix special and then they end up kind of getting shafted at the end and that happened to him once and then went to do a second one and they were like you know ready to shaft him again and he's like no fuck you guys I'm just gonna put it up on youtube for free mm. and you know just make money off the views and basically did what he did with a podcast where he got a couple you know common podcast sponsors and he did like a couple quick ads in you know the special and aside from that like it was uncut and mm -hmm. you know for free on youtube and yeah, we got like, you know, millions of views in days, you know, so. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's another one who has been on my radar but haven't been able to. Oh, his newest one is fucking out of the park. Nice. Like, it's. I'm going to check that out. I Yeah, for him, like, he's he's got some great bits in the past, but, like, if you. If you start with his newest one, you will be an instant fan. Like, just no punches spared. Just fucking just out for blood. And it's great. <laughs> Shit, yeah. 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 And I got to throw out there fucking, I don't, because I don't, there were so many on my list that didn't make the cut, partly because I don't know their work enough. Like, to a T or even even know their name by heart but things like Trailer Park Boys oh, and Letter Kenny yeah. and you know obviously yeah. Shorzy like yeah. those guys and that Shorzy, you know, and Shorzy himself same yeah guy. Shorzy and Letter Kenny they're both written by the dude that exactly is the main character yeah, yeah. and I don't know Jared, his name Ke Jared his Kesso name? Jared Kesso I'm pretty sure yeah I gotta check more of his shit out because yeah. I'm sure he's on like you know he's doing all kinds of Think fucking he's, awesome stuff. I think he's so busy with both of those. I don't. I'm. 
I've seen him as a guest on some podcasts. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Like, just, like, getting to know him a little bit more. Yeah. As far as I know, like, New Brunswick kid grew up there, you know, moved to L.A., tried out for the whole L.A. acting scene and wasn't getting the response that he wanted, so he started writing about what he knew and funny motherfucker, I guess. That's like right up my alley as uh, far as these guys go, you uh, know. Just and Trailer Park Boy is very similar. In fact, there's a yeah, there's a crossover between the two of them. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, How? J Rock. Oh, J Rock really? baby. No shit. J Rock baby. J Rock baby. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, J Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the episode where he's hitting. He's got a. He's got a keyboard with like bunch of pre-programmed things from his samples he's like j-rock baby j-rock baby j-rock baby hitting the same key but uh yeah um he's uh the amish guy on letter county i'm not sure how far you've made it but uh there's an amish family that lives around him called the dicks now that you mention it i think i have seen clips I've, i'm not super far into letter kenny because Jocelyn will watch it with me. <laughs> and so I have to wait usually to watch yeah. it with like my brother. Cause I was going to watch it just solo, but I revisited the classics of like my top two favorite movies of all time right now, mm-hmm. which are nice. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to let that go. Come on. Uh, no, the shame. last, the last samurai. Nice. And, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Nice. Those are both- Matt- masterpieces pretty banging movies yeah yeah they're just they just have that that way about them Uh, i I don't know how to explain i need to watch i need to watch once upon a time in hollywood again i've only seen it once well that one really like just like plays on like your gut strings and just like because everything from like leo's character and how incredibly frustrated he was with himself and yeah. life and just again like going you know he f- he could feel himself becoming less and less relevant and at the end of the movie he had no idea how come he how close he'd come to fucking total disaster you know like well that disaster you i'm sure you know this oh the yeah the, the Sharon tape, Tate the tape murder yeah, yeah, yeah which i which part to me that's like where i'm like i get like emotionally fired up about that shit because because of the because it was all because of mk ultra Ooh. <laughs> all kinds of stuff yeah, yeah. charlie doesn't surprise me charlie manson was fucking one of his main handler was like one of mk ultra's like biggest doctors and they set up shop in hyatt ashbury hate ashbury whatever the fuck you call it mm. and uh yeah like the whole hate Ashbury place was the whole music scene, the whole fucking, you know, peace and love scene was then subverted by a bunch of clinics that were doing free, you know, free, uh, you know, examinations for people, but they were also doing testing on, you know, what are the effects of, uh, you know, when we release, uh, LSD and, methamphetamine onto a population and 
it's like fast forward from that to where we are now, mm-hmm. where we've got at least one, if not close to two generations of people that are like, oh yeah, microdosing's great. Oh yeah, I've been on Ritalin or or Adderall for you know the, my whole you know adult life and most of my childhood. You know, yeah. like the crossover there is kind of scary. Totally. Yeah, it's yeah, it's freaky stuff, man. Again, you got to know uh, know how to reclaim those choices again. Mm. You know, just what they went through based on the circumstances and just the fucking the way everything was how it was kind of like premeditated like experiment yeah and also we can't we can't look at that movie as like uh like oh this is actually what happened yeah no i certainly not well that's that's the thing it puts you into that imaginative space which tarantino Uh, is a master at i mean just more and more inglorious bastards you know and just that Taking getting taking a nonfiction thing and putting a fictitious spin on it. Uh, the scary part about it is it's it's what history revisionists do as well, you know. And maybe you know, be like, there's a certain aspect of Hollywood that's like there to warn us about things coming down the pipe, and maybe possibly you know that's one of the things that he's trying to do with his movies is you know warn us that it's like hey yeah history can be rewritten pretty easily you know so fucking maybe touch up on it a little Mm -hmm. and also you know like it's some history's unclear too so you know keep an open mind you know it's some of it's hidden, some of it's been rewritten multiple times, you know, that's one of the easiest ways to hide actual history. Yeah. We should uh, probably wrap this up. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. I know we didn't come into it super prepared, but I love it. I love just shooting from the hip with stuff like this and just like going like just acknowledging these things because I think it's important. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's good to have a episode about levity, you know? Yeah. Especially in this world. Yeah. So, And I wouldn't even think, like, it has to be, like, a top whatever, like... No, no. Fucking just throw it out there. Whatever, anytime, whatever you know? gets us, you know, like... And we'd love to hear from you guys, too. Like, yeah. Drop a comment. Let us know who your favorite comedians are. It uh, doesn't have to be any kind of stand-up comedian. Seriously, the gloves are off. Go or, for it. Just whatever you find funny. Or put it you, up there. Or if you get, you know, uh, questions regarding, you know, other possible topics or, you know, commentary, you know, whatever. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll keep thinking about it too. And yeah, n- most of our episodes aren't going to be this lighthearted, but. You know, we're, it's, it's, uh, one of the ways that we want to be able to, you know, keep hope up and out there, you know. Exactly. So, have some fun out there, folks. <coughs> Love you, all Cheers. <laughs>